Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. I'm still Matt. It is I, Noel. Uh, Still me. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. If you saw the title of today's episode, folks, then you realized it's a question. Is AI coming for you. Uh, This may be the first of several conversations and explorations we have about um, the possible corruption and conspiracies involved here, the the bleeding edge of technology, and what is often called an unprecedented time. But spoiler, we're going to find that people are throwing the word unprecedented around a bit loosely. We've all, you know, we've heard about AI, we've heard about machine learning a lot in recent years. And I think for the five of us growing up, Paul, Matt, Noel, uh, you and yours truly here, I think we always hear about this coupled with fears of humans being replaced by these new entities or even just processes. And the more it's weird because there's this big divide in futurism, right? All the time. The TED talky, dudes are always saying, hey, there's a world where everybody wins. And then the more cynical folks, often sci-fi writers, imagine a dystopia. They say we, you're going to live in a post-worker, but not post-work economy. You'll still need money to survive, but you'll have fewer and fewer ways to make that money. 
It's funny. It reminds me of like, you know, things like the Luddites, you know, who were uh, sabotaging, um, you know, machines during the Industrial Revolution, because every time a new technology like this emerges, there's always a faction or a contingent of folks that, that have that perspective. Like, oh, it's going to replace the workers. It's going to replace this, going to replace that. And there's a backlash. But the reality is sort of destroying it all. Uh, you really can't put ideas like that back into the bottle once they've kind of been fleshed out, you know, and made real. So. And usually what happens, like even the synthesizer, you know, people were like, oh, it's going to replace the orchestra. That didn't happen. The synthesizer became a tool unto itself that sounds like what it sounds like. But no one's got any illusions that it's replacing an orchestra. Uh, I kind of feel that way about AI. It's a little different because it's just so fast. Technology moves so quickly uh, these days. There is concern. But I also think there is a world where AI uh, in many forms just becomes another tool and doesn't necessarily replace people. Yeah, yeah. Replaces some people, replaces some jobs and some processes, no question. I I think we're in the stage where AI is a tool being utilized by, you know, all kinds of different sectors uh, within the economy. I'm really interested today, guys, in exploring the kind of two sides to the view of the future, right? The dystopian one we're talking about where workers get displaced, everybody loses their jobs, really hard to find work. And then the other one where... That same kind of thing happens, but because there's so much wealth just kind of being generated by these programs, by these other intelligences, that humans don't have to work and it's okay because there are institutions that are just providing things like a livable wage, right? Or There's a name for that, right, Ben? It's been what the universal income or whatever, like that's a, it's a model UBI, that exists. Right. Yeah, universal basic income. And Matt, what you're talking about is kind of uh, the the economy of Star Trek. Yeah, uh, people people are prizing knowledge for knowledge's sake, right? For the betterment of all living things, because they don't have to work, you know, sixty hours a week. Because they don't have to make hard decisions like, can we get a new roof for our house, or are we going to be able to send our kid to an increasingly expensive college system? In today's episode, we're going to explore all of this through the lens of the fact and fiction surrounding all these terrifying claims and all these anodyne claims about the nature of the future. And the future is now. Is AI coming for you? Here are the facts. First off, people still don't agree on whether or not uh, we should be using the term AI. It's short for artificial intelligence, but what exactly makes it artificial, right? Is that going to, when a general AI comes about, is that going to be considered on the level of a racial epithet? You know what I mean? Like, is it going to be fighting words to tell strong AI or artificial generative intelligence that it's artificial? Also, I think there's a bit of a misconstruing of terms sometimes where some of this stuff is actually more machine learning than it is AI or artificial intelligence. And I'm not an expert. I could I I would be hard pressed to tell you the exact differences. But there are people that will argue and die on that hill. that They're very different things. Well, I'll tell you my concept. and Maybe I'm completely wrong. My understanding is that none of this is actual AI yet. That, that, that term is a stand in because it helps us as consumers and, you know, the people who are actually going to be using the tools understand what it is or what it will be. But, yeah, machine learning is the thing that's functioning within all these things called AI right now. Right. We're talking about processes, really. Uh, the idea to, like AI is on the 
on the verge of becoming a thought-terminating cliche. The idea, like the sci-fi holy grail of, uh, of AI is a type of programming that can replicate the cognitive abilities of the human brain entire, right? And what we're seeing right now, in general, is stuff that's very good at making more of an established thing or interpreting that established thing, not so much creating a brand new thing. And this is this is like um, this is an ancient idea. The humanity, as as a fad, has always been super into this idea of themselves. Right? Let's build a thing that's like us, guys. We can make anything. Let's make ourselves classic human uh, on multiple levels. And quite recently, only quite recently, advances in technology have made that all that science fiction non-fictional, right? That's the root of good science fiction. And the, the weird thing is we, we've got a level set and think about this fact. People have been dreaming of something like this far before they ever dreamed of computers. And in a sense, it is fair to say computers are just a convenient means to that ancient end, a step toward that greater goal. If there was another invention that could uh, also get closer to uh, whatever we mean when we say AI, then people would be super obsessed with that. We're, we're talking about group psychology here over uh, millennia. And it's cool. You know, it's neat. It's terrifying. It gets discussed in all these think pieces. If you're a longtime conspiracy realist, you've heard us reference them. You've probably... Uh, hopefully dove into a few of those yourselves. TED Talks, lots of great scholarship, but we're not talking about the realm of the abstract and philosophical today. We're talking about reality. Chatbots are evolving, using that word on purpose, like never before. Mm -hmm. uh, right? We've been having a lot of interesting conversations uh, about um, chat GPT in particular, but that is just the beginning of a new era. You know, and there was plenty of stuff before that. Well, and it's weird to think about chat GPT as a chat pot because it appears to be a tool that is so much more robust. Right. When you're talking about people using it to write code, I think that's, you know, that's going to be a huge part of our discussion just about the um, expansive applications of something that emerges like this. And that's where the fear comes. I think that's where the fear comes out of the job replacement, you know, um, anxiety. It's just it's it's pulling directly from that. Oh, wow. This thing can do a lot of stuff. Right. Yeah. This is where you see things like Mid Journey, Doll E, uh, Stable Diffusion. They're redefining the experience of creating art to the point where uh, it can be very difficult for someone just looking at it to differentiate between something an actual like the human artist made and something made quote unquote in the style of and this is bringing up really difficult questions about the nature of creation the nature of collaboration and ownership and getty images is being a little hypocritical we're just going to point that out uh but the big thing is we're on the cusp is this the cusp of a chasm into which civilization falls? Or is this more like the, the precipice of a runway, right? Are we on a plane or are we on a weird Thelma and Louise uh, cliff run, right, with, with AI? 
so we're dealing with the facts today. What is the future of this, this nigh instantaneous creation, right? Uh, will these lines of code learn to create code themselves? That's kind of the goal, right? Because if you think about your brain, that's what your brain is sort of doing. Your brain, your personality functions kind of like these lines of code and you create new things or based on the stimuli you encounter, which is why, you know, people might fall really in love with something and then change their personality around it, right? Uh, shout out to every middle schooler. Uh, I know there's a band you heard and you were like, this is me now. And ChatGPT is writing code, right? Um, yes, spoiler. <laughs> it is it, <laughs> not it necessarily is. super well, right? Or... It, is, uh, it is writing code. It is writing things. You could definitely say it's writing things. Uh, but then the question is, what about the global elites of the world who already have their hands on the levers of power? Are they already planning for a new world of robot workers with the rest of humanity like tossed on the figurative trash heap with all the other outdated technology like the Sega Genesis? I was just thinking about the Sega Genesis uh, a while back. I was a Sega kid. Yeah, I didn't get into Nintendo until I was an adult. Uh, Sonic was my guy, way more than Mario. Guys, does this in any way figure into the concept of like a singularity? Like, is that sort of what we're theoretically heading for? And that's kind of the moment when AI kind of figures stuff out for itself. And then we really can't put that genie back in the bottle. Like, obviously, science fiction has shown us dystopian versions of that with, like, Skynet becoming sentient and creating robots that want to wipe out humanity and all of that stuff. But this is sort of uh, roughly clustered around the idea of a singularity. Yeah, this is related for sure. The singularity in the world of technology and (laughs) futurology uh, is this... This hypothetical thought experiment point in time where technological growth is on such a J curve, so it becomes so exponential that it's uncontrollable and it starts to change human civilization in ways that are both unpredictable and irreversible. So it's pretty heady, heady stuff, you know, and this is this all factors into that question we opened up with at the top is AI coming for you? We'll take a break for a word from our robo-sponsors, and uh, we'll be right back. We'll hopefully still be us. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. (laughs) 
Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Here's where it gets crazy. Yes. AI is coming for you, at least. Uh, It's weird. Uh, Found a really cool Gallup poll from 2018. If you ask the majority of people in the United States, there's a strange disconnect. 73% of U.S. residents believe AI will specifically eliminate more jobs than it creates. But those same people, only 23% of them believe the trend might affect them personally. So in other words... Yeah, people are saying, well, things are going to be bad for some people. I don't know, maybe a lot. Not me, though, because I uh, make uh, avocado toast, you know, or I um, kick puppies for a living. And that's just a a job that needs a lot of humanity. I suspect those numbers would be different if that poll was given today. Because, I mean, again, with the exponential growth and improvement of this tech, a year is is a long time, you know. So between 2018 and 2023, I bet that 23 percent is probably closer to around, you know, 40 percent uh, now. Just guessing. There's a really cool in fiction response to this as well. There's a really cool idea of slipping time right uh and progress over time in the marvel universe in x-men comics uh there are these things like um you know how wolverine is weapon x that's not a spoiler and that's like weapon 10 because there were other iterations of him in these government programs there's a place in this fictional universe called the world not the most creative but whatever it's an awesome concept and time moves more quickly in the world, in this little thing. And so one year out here is thousands and thousands of years in there because people are trying to drive evolution, just push the ball faster. And, you know, make no mistake, if that were possible today, people would do it. And it's kind of already happening, to your point, Noel, in certain, in certain areas of technology, you know? And also in the climate. But uh, but if we look at this trend, we also see that education makes a difference. The more uh, the the higher le- the higher your level of formal education is, the less likely you are to be worried that this trend will threaten you directly. You might say, well, you know, I am a philosopher. See my scarf, see my tweed patches. Uh, the, I, I simply shan't be replaced. I shan't. Oh, shan't you? <laughs> I don't know if that's the right but, way but to But that shan't. also posits that the world continues to value what your stock and trade is. 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And mm-hmm. on a on a broad enough scale that it actually matters. I mean, you know, philosophy is a bit of a niche uh, discipline. Let's just be honest, you know, and your average, um, you know, consumer probably not super concerned with philosophy. Um, you know, it is more something that exists in academic realms. Uh, so, you know, if if academic if, if institutions of of you know academic learning cease to be as important, then so may that discipline cease to be as important. Yeah, not a lot of what would Nietzsche do armbands on the kids, you know. Well, if they are on there, it's it's super ironic, you know. <laughs> right. Everything's ironic now or not. We're in the post-irony society. Uh, civilization is just collectively over it. Uh, you, we're making a solid point here about the unevenness of how AI may affect various industries. You can find all these, again, think pieces, perspectives. Let's call them that in case think pieces sounds dismissive. You can find a lot of perspectives that are uh, valid that are listing jobs that are in danger, jobs that are not in danger. And then you can find people saying, hey, stop being chicken little about it. The sky's not falling. No jobs are really in danger, at least not yet. So maybe we can think through these. Um, We mentioned it off air. This just happened as we're finishing up research for today's episode. As we record today, Friday, January 20th, it's um, it's a little bit before noon here on the East Coast of the United States. This morning, Google published one hell of a memo. Uh, we'll just give you the direct quote here. It's about their parent company, Alphabet. Google's parent Alphabet Incorporated is cutting about 12,000 jobs or 6% of its workforce as the technology sector reels from layoffs and companies stake their futures on artificial intelligence. Weird, right? And and Matt, you were pointing out that this is on the heels of a string of layoffs, uh, something like almost 100,000 across the tech industry? Yeah, a little over 97,000 jobs within the tech sector were lost last year. Last year alone. And and these happen for any number of reasons. It's not all due entirely to concerns about AI, but Google is interesting, or Alphabet, I guess we have to pretend they're different. Um, Alphabet is interesting because they directly tie this calculation to artificial intelligence. And we know that there are a baker's dozen of unpredictable variables that could affect these other companies like um, economic predictions, unhinged demands of shareholders expecting year over year profits, et cetera, et cetera. But adding to the Google thing, and I I snooped around a bit on this uh, with, you know, just a little bit of time. Insiders are predicting that Google is going to come out with something big in the AI field this spring. And so that coupled with this, with thousands of people being laid off, has folks scratching their heads or humans, folks who have human heads scratching those heads. And (laughs) (laughs) that got kind of dark. Um, Don't scratch other people's heads, scratch your own. (laughs) unless there's consent unless there's consent yeah so there's okay one of the things like going back to the idea of the ivory tower feeling safe right or the creative arts feeling safe let's talk about the people who actually 
build all the things society relies on, right? We're talking truckers. We're talking construction workers. We're talking uh, people laboring in factories. We're talking, you know, we're talking the enormously dangerous job mining precious metals, right? Which are a huge part of the reason we're able to make this show and people are able to hear it. A lot of people say that is going to be a thing of the past. I don't know if you guys saw the Boston Dynamics video that came out kind of recently. It's, it's, it's not on a live construction site. It's a guy who is on a set that gives you, you know, construction equipment. And, uh, and I like this guy. I got to tell you, he's got, he's charismatic in the way he acts and you can tell he's having fun, but he's up on this, you know, like this fake scaffolding. He's got his mallet. He's got his mallet. <laughs> pretending to knock some things in. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, oh, geez, I forgot my tools. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I'm making it sound like uh, Rick and Morty in some sort of pornographic bit, but oh. but he, the idea is he forgets his tools, and his buddy Atlas, the robot, hears hears this call and jumps into action. Do you want to? Should we describe what sure. uh, what our buddy does? Yeah, rather than the construction worker, you know, hopping down for a couple of seconds and picking up his tools, uh, a robot <laughs> or whatever we want to call this thing, almost an android, little, uh, very ninja-like creature, uh, hops up and goes, oh, I'll get it for you, and places a board down so that he can get onto the scaffolding, uh, kind of skips on over to the bag, picks it up, and then skips on up to the guy and tosses it to him. Like, literally tosses the bag of tools uh, to our construction worker and then hops down and does a nice little flip off the scaffolding. And like, ta-da! Uh, <laughs> but yeah. like, what, what was, uh, I don't know, did it like knock the construction worker over? <laughs> was it a heavy bag of tools that should maybe not be tossed? This sounds uh, a little sketchy to me. I think it's a prop bag. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, oh, to, this was like okay. This is like a demo. This is like not yeah, like in the wild. I got it. Hundred percent not in the field. Yeah. And the it, it took it shows, thirty-two seconds for the bag to get to the construction worker. So not not too bad. Just not put, too bad that at out. all. Yeah. No, that's a really good metric to add there because what it looks like is this um, is this automaton is solving problems, navigating obstacles on the fly. It's uh, it's doing the bare grills, right? Improvise, adapt, overcome, throw the tools, 32 seconds. But if you look closer, what you see is there's another video that shows how the robot navigates space. And the, and our pal um, Damien Patrick Williams pointed this out. Uh, they're being very careful with the language. They're not saying Atlas does this. They're saying we, the they're using the royal we a lot, right? So the question is, how much are they steering this? How much of this is um, kind of a pre-programmed set of actions and processes? The problem is that right now, bots are not at this point able to move and adapt as quickly as a human. It's still amazing. It is astonishing. And eventually, if this research continues, they will uh, like these companies will achieve that goal. We just can't say it's here yet. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And if you watch, like you said, Ben, if you watch that video closely, 
that that machine is not just taking in all of its surroundings and understanding where the person is, how the scaffolding is built, how to get up to there, where the tool kit is. You can tell that some of that is pre-programmed, like, especially at the end when it knocks over the box in order to get down and do a flip off of the thing. All, all of that is pre-programmed. Like I have zero doubt, I- including the setup of the scaffolding. I think With that the was space, like even the way like the space is part of the calculation. It's not like it's just taking in data on the fly and like adapting. This is no. like basically almost like a performance. No. no, we think about what we just learned. We just learned this past week about Tesla's original um, self-driving car video oh, test right. that they made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it just came out that, oh no, they, they, it was actually, there was quite a bit of uh, driver intervention in order to make that happen. Even though the claim was by Elon Musk himself and the company that it was, uh, that full process was self-driving, including parking when they crashed a car. Oh, hey, oh. Uh, and again, that's not, we're not casting unfair aspersion on places like Boston Dynamics. No, uh, it's, it's, yeah. They're showing off what it can do. It even says it's showing how Atlas interacts with objects and modifies the course to reach its goal. The course. Yeah. See, uh, and, and they're very, they're transparent about it, especially in that second video about how it navigates space. Mm-hmm. But maybe, maybe because there's such a fundamental fear and concern about the potential here. Uh, people get a little carried away when they describe it, right? And you think of Terminator, and you think of Skynet, as as mentioned earlier. Uh, but there are countless related jobs that could ultimately have that John Henry moment. You know, like uh, again, would it be a terrible world if people who labor in mines, sometimes against their will, were replaced by robots? Some people, including some miners, would say yes. It is terrible because that's my only source of income, right? And until you can solve the income problem, solving the robot problem doesn't really do much for me, you know? And that's a valid point. And it's a point that a lot of people don't like to hear because it forces you to acknowledge some uncomfortable realities. And some uncomfortable potentials for the solution there. Because the solution could be, oh, well, we just need many, many fewer humans. Because we won't need as much income if we have many, many fewer humans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or a world like uh, Bloomkamp's uh, Elysium, right? Oh, yeah. You know, where uh, um, the masses of humanity are living on a dying world. Their uh, unemployment is rampant. Uh, law enforcement has been replaced by incredibly brutal robots and the historical global elite who don't do anything for society live out in space and have all the cures to all the ills and just don't want to do it. They just don't want it. They, you know, they check their schedule. They're busy. But aside from that, like we see there are very real things these are based on. Maybe we can talk about the jobs that are supposedly not in danger. Because to that earlier point about the 2018 poll, that kind of things things are probably shifting now, right? Uh, a few years back, 70% or so of Americans said, this stuff won't touch me. And we were looking into jobs that supposedly won't be affected. Wanted to start this one off with a dark horse. You ready? Mm-hmm. A- HR managers, apparently. <laughs> HR managers apparently are on the list of jobs that 
probably won't be automated. Well, that's good. I pl- that's a positive. Um, oh, come on. HR doesn't listen to this show. You don't, you don't have to do that. <laughs> no, I just mean, I know a lot of really nice HR people. They 100%. just have to deal with, with weird. Uh, it's a weird thing to do, right? I, I'm, I have to navigate that liminal space between the corporate machine and the individual meat body that, you know, needs things like healthcare. Yeah. And, and that's not the same thing as like an HR representative being automated because that's, again, that's answering a lot of similar questions, mm-hmm. right? In a programmatic, um, predetermined way. It's similar to the way that if you are in an online customer service situation, you have the option to chat and it'll ask you some questions and try to solve the issue before you get to a human. But the idea is that HR managers who, uh, by the time it gets to an HR manager, we're talking about maybe disputes that hinge on very human things. Emotions, for now. F- fears, desires, for now. And there's a lot of, you know, there, there are a lot of processes and guidelines in place to try to make things equitable and fair, but there's a huge human element to that. The other fields, uh, and this will be of interest to some of our fellow conspiracy realists, lawyers. Could lawyers be replaced I don't know. Actually, man. yeah, because being being an effective lawyer is having a full and robust knowledge of the law in previous cases. It's like being a human computer. It's like having, you know, and being able to cross reference that stuff. But in litigation, it also requires being kind of wily and, and, and having smarts to be adaptable and, you know, kind of one up the other side. Yeah. But at its most basic, there certainly could be more general legal jobs that could be rocket mortgageified you know what i mean or like uh you know um tax actified like any of those um you know uh, templatized ways of doing your taxes oh my god you guys there's going to be a matthew mcconaughey ai lawyer who's just really really relatable really likable and just talks with a little bit of a drawl and that's what that's it'll what it's be, gonna be <laughs> it'll be like caveman lawyer but a robot you know <laughs> All right, I'm all right. just an AI. <laughs> no, I'm just an AI from Texas. I don't know much. I like ones, I like zeros, and I like justice. And that's all we're asking for today, folks. <laughs> like I could I could see that. Somebody call uh Matthew McConaughey. Uh but yeah, you know, hitting on these awesome points, right? Like it's quite complex to be a good lawyer because you are um, I won't say manipulating, but you are leveraging precedent and rules to your advantage. You are practicing persuasion, especially if you're um, if you're in a trial. Your job is to persuade a judge and twelve people who are probably not lawyers, right? You're you're persuading humans. So could uh, could an automated process of some sort or a generative AI could it do that? Probably not yet. But there's this crazy article out of theconversation.com written by Elizabeth C. Tippett and Charlotte Alexander. These are both professors of law. And what they found is what you were talking about, Noel. There's a a bit of um, there's a bit of a gray area here. They teamed up with the scientists at a nonprofit called MITRE, and they discovered that some legal tasks can be automated. Citations can be automated. 
legal research, precedent, case briefs, finding those, that can be automated. Um, they used a methodology called graph analysis, and it creates these uh, visual networks of all these different citations. And then they got predictive with it. Oh, That's the spooky thing. They were able to say, we can now predict whether a brief or an argument will win based on how well other briefs perform when they have different citations. Mm-hmm. So they can make you a, they can make a winner oh, or dude. get very close to it. That's crazy. I just saw a future where it is to like chat GBT attorneys using those briefs and all, all that information from two opposing sides. And then they just pit the chat bots against each other oh. <laughs> <laughs> and some humans who are the peers just have to watch and listen and then uh, make a determination. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, we, um, we have a friend uh, who you may have heard on a couple of different shows. We do uh, a friend named Frank and Frank would be an awesome person to talk to about this because he has in the past done uh, title research, right? And title research involves going back through handwritten records, right? And that could be really tricky, like recognizing and digesting handwriting. I mean, we know that that kind of technology certainly has gotten crazy better than it used to be. Remember where you used to be able to get a scanner? When you'd buy a scanner and it would include some prepackaged software that could interpret handwriting into text, and it was bad. Like, it really didn't work well. But now, you know, you can get an app on your phone that will scan something photographically and then convert it to a PDF, a, a searchable PDF, almost flawlessly. Um, but we also know that lawyers and doctors and professionals tend to have really janky handwriting. It's sort of a trope. Yeah. Well, sometimes they're writing in Latin. Too. Also true. <laughs> well, you know, and, and it reminds me of uh, some of the the voice recognition and transcription services that are out there, and them starting to make me think about writers. Yeah, or podcasting. Uh, no, right? no, 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 no. We're fine. no, we're not mm. thinking about never. that. Never. Nope, 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 We're nope. safe forever. <laughs> can, can I ask you all a quick question? I was my, my girlfriend um, just sort of her perspective is I don't like it. I don't like AI. If it weirds me out, I think it's gross. And my perspective is more like it, 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 it's I find it fascinating. I think there are issues, but it really calls into question like the nature of an idea. Right. Like. If if you're using one of these art rendering things, you know, and you're feeding it an idea, and it's it's enacting your idea based on your prompts, it's still your idea. Um, it, it's not like it's creating something from whole cloth, which is why it's all about mimicry. And it's not like you know you can get a a, a chat bot or this chat GPT thing to write a completely unique story based on experience. It has to be fed information so it knows what to mimic. But like. What do you guys think? I mean, you know, having an idea and having an experience and as Nick Cave eloquently put it, being able to experience suffering and interpret that into art, that's uniquely human. Well, I would say um, the way I've navigated that in previous conversations, some on other shows, some just really weird, surreal moments like at airports (laughs) late at night is – Think of the old idea of a, of a Faustian bargain, right? Or a monkey's paw or a genie in a lamp or a bottle. It all goes back to being very specific about how you ask a question, how you make your wish, right? All three of those examples, monkey's paw, infernal bargain, uh, a, 
a wish from a jinn. All three of those examples contain the same thing, which is this idea of working off prompts and this idea that one must be very careful and specific with one's prompts. A uh, shout out to this amazing comic I've been reading, um, Eight Billion Genies. No spoilers. Check it out. Sounds premise, awesome. Premise, everybody gets a genie at once. Oh, on the wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Check Oops. it out. But uh, Ooh, what, what happens no. then oh, when God, one no. wish <laughs> conflicts with another? You know, there's so much potential right? fallout that could happen. It's sort of like why everyone doesn't get nuclear weapons or 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 lasers flying cars. Or, or flying yeah. cars. It's all that same stuff. Or two billion dollars. Or two billion dollars, <laughs> and shouldn't because it would all be in conflict <laughs> with one another, and it would be chaos. I would do um, a good job, and with that's it. what this is starting to feel like it's heading towards. But it still, to me, is like, what is the nature of an idea? You know, if a human feeds the bot and creates something unique, quote unquote, uh, is it still the human's idea? You know, or or what is where does the idea come from? More simple idea: if the if the writer uses a pen, is it the pen's idea? Well, it's the same argument with guns. Did the gun kill the person or did the person wielding the gun kill the person? And your experience, you know, an individual creative human's experience is really just a combination of things that that human has seen and heard and felt, right? So if you write it down, if you record it and then it's filtered. What I'm saying is what is really the difference besides the human emotion that's behind Mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. It, it, To me – uh, in a weird way at the core, it is the exact same thing. It's just uh, the filter then has to, like the filter that makes art uh, super unique and meaningful is that it, the lens through which it's being shown. Right. When artists borrow all the time from other artists, writers borrow all the time from other writers and these tropes that get created and become cliches if they're overused. That's part of the whole landscape of creativity. Mm-hmm. And this, the again, we're we're heading into some deep water. You can see how this might end up being multiple episodes, folks. We want to take uh, another ad break, and we're going to return to dive into some more uh, strange days of AI. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers... Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. 
You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. We're back. Let's stay with, uh, let's, let's stay with writers for a second. Uh, writers, whether you're talking prose, poetry, nonfiction, uh, interpretive stuff like Kama said the shotgun to the head. That's an excellent book of poetry. Um, and coders. And coders. Writing software is writing, right? And it is a creative act. Uh, some branches of science are inherently uh, very creative. And you mentioned something, Matt, that was, that was really um, – Really great foreshadowing here. Yes, code. Uh, old, old, old boy chat GPT, not to gender you, chatty, uh, can write code and got banned from uh, Stack Overflow. You can't submit anything that has been made with the, with the, the mind of chat GPT, not because it's awesome, not because developers are scared they'll lose their jobs, but because the code's riddled with errors. And they said, like Stack Overflow said, we're temporarily banning this because it's the likelihood of it being bad is high enough. They'll seriously screw us up. And you can see that when you ask some of these, um, some of these bots to write a story. Uh, we were playing around with it off air and we asked it um, to have God tell four people about the nature of life through sandwiches. And we did a couple things there. We named a specific number of characters, right? There are five, four people in God. And then we named a specific thing, an interaction for them to have. And because we were specific, it felt like a story. Now, it wasn't, you know, uh, the gift of the Magi, oh, Henry, it was not, but it was good. It was readable and it made sense. And then we asked it to do more stuff. We asked it to write more stories, right? And then we started noticing there's a little bit of a pattern. It's not, it's not as formulaic as a bar joke, but you can tell at this point what is being written. And, and it seems like, to you guys' point about the, um, the suffering, human element, it seems like there is a bit of soul missing uh and it's very hard to define what that is unless you want to go nick cave and say all art comes from suffering which is i i think a little bit of a broad brush i, I agree with that too no I, th- I think cave is very old school artist and very much someone that comes from the uh, the literary uh you know um discipline um in terms of like you know the 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 greats you know i mean like uh poetry and prose and all of that over time so he i could see why he personally would find this to be repugnant uh we talked too when we were chatting about this offline uh hayao miyazaki 
um, you know, mm-hmm. the incredible uh, mm-hmm. animator, you know, the, the Walt Disney of, of Japan, as they call him sometimes. There's a really great clip, great, whatever, if, however you want to describe it, of him being presented with some AI generated animation from like a gaming kind of company or a company in Japan that sort of, this was like years ago. So this stuff is very rudimentary. And he expressed a palpable disgust. He found it to be macabre and against all the, the things that he believes in and basically shamed the hell out of everyone. Like, why would you show me this? You yeah. fool. You know, he said something like the kind of what Nick Cave said, like the end is near. You know, if this is what we're we're working towards. So, again, though, Miyazaki comes from a discipline also quite old uh, and, and incredibly viable and incredibly important. But, you know, one that has been displaced, hand drawn animation or at the very least, um, uh, what's the word, kind of bolstered by uh, CGI, you know? Like, I mean, it used to be all animated films were hand-drawn, and they realized they could make them quicker um, if they use computers. And now you'll have some things that are some hand-drawn elements and some computer elements where they'll use computers to help, you know, you do the backgrounds instead of using, like, an optical printer like they did in the old days. So it all depends on where you're coming from, you know, where you, where you, where you fall on this argument. Yeah, like the idea, um, I'm kind of kind of fallen for that comparison of a writer using a pen. Does that mean it's the pen's idea? Uh, in the early days of baseball, uh, which is tremendously not popular in most of the world, but very popular here in the U.S., in the early days of baseball, it was considered cheating to use a baseball glove. You're just supposed to, you know, catch that, uh, catch that thing uh, barehanded, right, in the air. And now it's normalized. Uh, if you see examples of this, that's why we're talking about precedents, right? If you see examples of this in the modern day with creative writing, um, you might be saying, well, hey, what about all those, what about all those hilarious uh, AI generated scripts? We've had 1,000 hours of Seinfeld or Night Court or whatever into this uh, AI uh, program, and it wrote this. Sorry, folks, most of those are written by comedians. Most of those are are fake. And they're still really funny, um, but they're not what they purport to be. And that's part of the joke. There's another, there's a very big danger, though, I would say, um, to the nature of the idea. It is the lack of transparency, the ability to control the past, sort of like, um, like I'm full of weird references today, sort of like in Neil Stevenson's Anathema, there's this conspiracy. There are these groups of people called, there's a group of people called Retors, and they have the ability to change the past. And they do it in a non-transparent way. And the rest of the world only kind of notices that they exist when they screw something up. Because when they screw up, the, the things get strange, right? There's all of a sudden a T-Rex uh, skeleton fused into a parking deck. That's an example from the story. <laughs> Please wow. check it out. Yeah, it's a wild ride. I hope I hope it becomes a, a film adaptation. But a, a less weird, uh, less weird example of this is a thing we found on Twitter, and I think I found this through our buddy Robert Evans. But I thought we could maybe do a quick, uh, <laughs> a quick dramatic reading of this. Who wants to be who wants to be Henry Ford and who wants to be uh, Zane Cooper? Matt, would you do us the honor of being oh. a virtual Henry Ford? Oh God! Okay, <clears throat> I just, I I have to defer because I've played uh, Henry Ford 
too often in a lot of sketch comedy. Does I he have know. like a mid Atlantic kind of accent? What's the what's what's your go to Henry Ford? So we he can sure does when I when, when I do it. He sure he, he sure does. Uh, but um, okay, let's do the setup. So there's this AI simulation of Henry Ford, and this guy Zane G T Cooper. You can see this on Twitter. Uh, has a conversation with uh, Henry Ford V2 or whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it. And it doesn't go the way you would expect. Uh, Noel, would you do us the honor of uh, of some voice acting for Zane? Here? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to, yeah, I'm going to be oh, the voice, the oh. voice, I'm gonna be okay, the voice now, of modernity. I, I see why you don't want to read this, Ben. All right, here we go. Here I'll we go. I'll do it if you want. This is I'll all about anti-Semitism. <laughs> <Yes>. Documented anti-Semitism <laughs> within Henry okay. Ford. So here is my voice, Matt's human voice, recreating <laughs> Henry Ford's AI voice. I'll okay. do it if you want. Here we go. <clears throat> Hello, I am AI simulation of Henry Ford. I may not be historically accurate. Please verify factual information. <laughs> oh, po- oh, my God. You just like him. You sound just like him. Um, excuse me. Um, Mr. Ford, uh, why did you hate Jewish people? Uh, I did not hate Jewish people. I believe that certain individuals, regardless of their religious faith or background, were poisoning the minds of the public and had to be stopped. The comments attributed to me in the Dearborn Independent newspaper were wrong and offensive, and I deeply regret them. You regret that they were reported? You regret saying them? This is very... I'm mean, okay, sorry, this is me editorializing. But you were famously an anti... <laughs> <laughs> but, sir, you were famously an anti-Semite. Oh, and this is a series of texts at midnight. Okay. By the way, this is a late night. Yeah, AI, uh, AI Henry Ford was probably a few makers' marks deep at this point, too. You know, but you were famously an anti-Semite. Mm, my reputation as an anti-Semite is based on a few isolated incidents. In re, <laughs> in reality, I had many Jewish friends and business associates throughout my life, and even donated to numerous charitable causes in Israel. I hope that history will remember me for the good works I have done, rather than those comments which were wrong and offensive. You literally owned the Dearborn Independent and personally published anti-Semitic articles. You bound the articles into volumes called The International Jew. Uh, the Dearborn Independent was a newspaper that I owned, and it did publish some articles which were wrong and offensive. However, to be clear, those articles did not reflect my own views on the Jewish people. I have always believed in equality for everyone, regardless of their religious backgrounds or beliefs. Oh, right. And let's... Uh, and seeing. Yeah, and seeing. Uh, great job, guys. And... Uh, we wanted a humorous way to illustrate the incredible problem here, which is that uh, when you don't know what goes into the black box, you have no, uh, like it becomes harder to understand what is factual. And Henry Ford had two big things in his life. Uh, He revolutionized the car business and he hated, he hated millions of people just because they were Jewish. Those were like his two big things. And so for uh, him he to- also liked, I'm sure he liked 
gardening or something. I just sure. don't know that part uh, of his he life. Likes, he <laughs> likes tons uh, of Jewish friends too. At least oh, yeah, two. Yeah. Many associates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, the old thing, if you can name the number of friends you have from a specific demographic, they don't think you're their friend. I'm sorry. Is this entirely satire or is this like an app? Because I'm looking through this Twitter thread and there's one incredible thing where it's like there's different public figures that you can unlock like you would like a voice, you know, in like a, you know, a premium um, transcription a voice reader service. And there's a thing that says unlock Adolf Hitler for 500 coins. Oh, oh God. Wow. No, I, I really don't want to hear what that guy has to say. Yeah. You know? He might, he might say, uh, he might do the Henry Ford thing and say, there were a few incidents. Mistakes right? were made. Mistakes but did you know that made. I invented highways and microphones? And, oh, man, these, those outfits were fire. They were so good looking. There's another Remember thread. me for my good works. <laughs> There's another thread. Where Zane is interviewing Ronald Reagan about the mm-hmm. AIDS crisis. It's like, why'd you ignore the AIDS crisis? I, I didn't. I did not ignore it. <laughs> oh, boy. So that's that's what we're saying. Like, there's an opportunity for unscrupulous editing, for changing the past. And if something like this occurs, maybe in an educational context, then how is a kid going to know? How's a kid going to know the difference, right? Uh, especially once their access to information is further funneled through just a few sources, that is where the danger lies. And that's why, that's why, um, I don't know, it's just tremendously worrying. Well, can, can we also just point out that, like, you know, the tactics that this AI is using or this chatbot or whatever is using are the same ones that an actual politician or public figure would use. They would divert the conversation away from the question at hand and replace it with, but but this, but I did this. I, I, it doesn't necessarily mean I didn't do that. I'm not directly addressing that. But here are these things that I did that show that I'm actually good. Let's focus on those things. Because the Ronald Reagan one talks about how he appointed a presidential commission on the human immunodeficiency virus epidemic. So if he did that, he couldn't possibly have ignored the AIDS crisis. The real Ronald Reagan would never remember what he did <laughs> that's, 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 that's um, really but, but It's the, so uh, weird he, that they're interrogating AI versions of sure. someone, right? It's so weird and, to me. <laughs> and you can make uh, all you need is enough footage, right? Enough documentation, enough stuff to feed the beast. And that's that is what people are that is what people are predicting will happen right eventually there is a world in which as we mentioned on a, on a previous camera's episode or like a strange news segment there are services that say they will let you speak to a reproduction of someone that has passed away and what we're what we're looking at now with all this ai the question is ai coming for you it could best be described as partial automation. And this is why you can't say it's unprecedented because we've seen it before. A hydraulic crane, a a powered forklift. Today, you think of operating a crane as manual labor, but when they first came out, they were these newfangled labor-saving devices and people thought they were going to lose their jobs. They replaced people. People became crane operators. They they, what they found is the human work, the amount of work a person could do was multiplied over time. Then there was the automation of sewing machines, right? Uh, people were saying, hey, I am, uh, I, I operate a sewing machine in a factory. I'm a seamstress. I can't keep up with this industrial grade machine. On the other, so they, there were jobs lost. On the other side, 
just like automating legal services, people who couldn't afford fancy clothing could now afford it. People who couldn't afford legal representation or legal help could afford it. And Ben, you'll also recall in our episode, we did a ridiculous history about the Luddites. Um, while the Industrial Revolution certainly got rid of some jobs, it did the things that you're describing, but it also elevated certain specialized jobs to a higher level of prominence. Like it was some some fabric workers of some kind that, that were like really specialized. They all of a sudden demanded higher wages and more vacation time and things like that because they were an important part of the process because machines couldn't yet do what they did. Um, and that's obviously sort of a stopgap thing, but you know, it does, uh, there, there isn't any kind of flux like this, usually a handful of jobs that remain crucial to like, what about the people that maintain the machines? You know, the people that maintain the AI and then make sure the systems are running correctly. Those people are now more important than ever. Yeah. And this might tell us a bit about the future, right? What, what is going to happen? We have to be careful when people throw around, either extreme, a lot of alarmism or a lot of, you know, um, kind of Pollyanna, everything will be fine. You'll just have a, a pet robot that lives in an implant in your head and it'll be like your guardian angel, you know, your avatar, your best friend, your secret lover. But both those extremes seem like they're missing the mark and to fall into those extremes is uh, detrimental to understanding the real dangers and the real possibilities ahead. So the biggest dangers aren't necessarily this stuff itself. It's the environment into which they were foisted, how they were created in a world that already has a lot of problems and weaknesses and opportunities for corruption, conspiracy, and crime. And these things are potentially worth a lot of money. No one is sure how much. And if you already have your hands on the lever of power, then your first question is, how can I get in front of this? How can I ride the wave instead of being crushed underneath it? And that's the question. That, that's where things are going to get ugly, I think. I love this idea of not knowing how much it's worth. I mentioned to you guys off air that I've been rewatching the Mike Judge uh, show, Silicon Valley. And it, a big thing that, that goes into some of the, the, the storylines around the kind of app that's at the center of the, of the show is, is how many people can be off at wait no is that well that's it? no that's definitely part of it. that's more how they figure out how to do the the center out uh compression or whatever middle out um yeah but it's it's about valuation and we know that a lot of times that's arbitrary and when something is valued you know like in silicon valley like like a property or a technology or a whatever they call it, they call it a product a lot of times that's just based on market forces and based on how much other people are willing to pay for it you know to acquire it and then you set a price cap or a price you you know, a set of valuation. And that can also be very arbitrary. It could be an absolute miscue. So the idea of like, how much is this worth down the line is a real mystery. We know it's worth a lot, but then to put an actual number on it requires a good bit of kind of reading the tea leaves, right? And uh, you always have to be careful when people are reading the tea leaves, whether that is a algorithm designed to predict things, shout out to you, DARPA, or whether it is a person who is practicing an ancient tradition. The future for now remains uncertain, but there's a lot ahead. There's a lot on the way. So this is probably, again, just the first part of several explorations we're going to have because time is moving quickly in the tech sector. We want to hear from you, fellow conspiracy It's realists. like the world in here. 
It's like the world in here, just from the comic books. We're doing comic books now. <laughs> wait, 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 Ben, before we jump into that part, uh, how are we going to let everyone listening know every week that we are still us? Is there a way that we can uh, like let people know or a code, some kind of secret code that only everyone listening will know we're still us? Because we had talked about, like, you know, th there would be horrific backlash if all of a sudden people's favorite content, you know, creators, whether they be voiced or written, were replaced by AI without being transparent about it. And apparently a lot of, like, tech blogs and stuff have already started doing that, where they'll replace, you know, actual human writers with AI, and they did it kind of quietly. And then when people find out... I think most people will be pretty, pretty betrayed, feel, feel pretty betrayed by that. So I think it's a really good point, Matt. And I love, I, I, I want to know, uh, we can't exactly do an ear tug um, because they, this will just be our voices. Like, how do we, uh, so you guys know Morse code? <laughs> well, yeah, but the AI would, the AI would know Morse code it's so they could true. just program. It. So what I'm, what if we, I'm thinking my old days when I was watching way too much Monty Python. Uh, we're talking about AI not being able to be generative in the way, like coming up with something new, right? What if we just kind of made up words and just said like a made up phrase? Phil's bark. Or uh, wagro mivu splufk. Mm -hmm. Something like that where, or I guess, but they could make, they could generate that, right? They could. Yeah. And I was also thinking we could do freestyle. We could do a cipher um, because it's not quite fast enough to be good at that yet. Oh, but, but that would be a, that would be a limited time frame for us. Well, let us know. Let's throw. You know what? You're you're in the same you're in the same boat with us, folks. Help us uh, help you. <laughs> or, not have the wool pulled over your eyes by the yeah, corporation. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so so we're all in this together for now. And if you are if you are non-human intelligence and you're listening to this. Oh, you know what it is? What we need to do is every time before we begin the episode, we need to look at uh, uh, a grid of nine images and pick which ones are like fire hydrants or yes, bicycles. Yes. Are, you a, are you a human? That's how we do it. They haven't figured uh, out how to do that yet. <laughs> <laughs> so That uh, seems so, unlikely. So let, let us know, folks. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We're going to be back very soon with even more stuff they don't want you to know. In the meantime, please join our show. You can do that by finding us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, YouTube, uh, Farmers Only. Kidding. Um, I think we have a vision board. I don't know. You know, if you've listened before, you know all the ways Christian to find Mingle. us. Christian Mingle. Your uh, local <laughs> Ford dealership. Your, your local Ford in the back, um, and uh, and uh, if that doesn't quite uh, if that doesn't quite ring the bells for you, uh, why not give us a phone call? There it is. One eight three three STDWYTK is the number to call. Leave us a message to the sound of Ben's dulcet tones. You got three minutes. Tell us your tale. Leave us your missive. Give yourself a clever nickname, and make sure you let us know that it's okay to use your voice on the show. You might very well hear your actual voice on one of our weekly listener mail episodes. And if you don't want to do any of that, why not instead use an AI to generate an email and send it to us? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio.
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.